Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. This is our weekly look at the fantasy football waiver wire heading into week five at the end of week four. This is the biggest week on the waiver wire that we have had thus far. We got super flex options. We have running back injuries. We have wide receiver breakouts, wide receiver injuries, tight ends coming back from being injured. I, I would say probably... Getting week five on the waiver wire right, if I if I had to guess, when we look back at the end of the season, it's going to be the most important week to have gotten right in fantasy football. No time to waste. Let's get into the quarterbacks. Beginning real quick with Jared Goff. Um, he's above 50% owned at this point, but if he is out there and you don't have Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, pretty sure you need to just spend on him, right? Hold a second quarterback, have start sits. Last week, you know, no St. Brown, no Shark, no Swift, doesn't matter, still gets the numbers. The defense is horrible. They're letting him throw a ton. They're being super aggressive on fourth downs, throwing in the red zone. Even if I, I already had, you know, a quarterback I was fine with, I would spend like 10% on him. If I had like a, you know, a Russell Wilson type or whatever, I would spend 10 to 15%, maybe even more. Uh, really just a, a big week in general for figuring out quarterback because, uh, I mean, Goff, is, Goff has just been great, right? I mean, there just really is no way around it. You, you can't even just credit it to the weapons. And I think there's like a decent chance he finishes as a top 10 quarterback. He is third in the NFL in passing yards, tied for the, the league lead in passing touchdowns with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. And, and it's not even like in an unsustainable way right? You know, he doesn't even lead the league in touchdown percentage. He's third in the NFL in touchdown percentage. His YPA is in line with his career stuff. I I just think this is a good volume-based quarterback situation. For FFPC and other deeper leagues, I think Kenny Pickett is a really good cheap ad because he's not going to go for a ton this week because he's playing against the Bills. So I don't think anyone is picking him up to start this week. I could see him being just the best ad overall. Ran for two scores in his first game against the Jets. By the way, the first quarterback to ever rush for two touchdowns in his first ever game. Now, they were both inside. I mean, one was a quarterback sneak for one yard, and I think the other was like a two or three yard scramble. But if he can add two to three rushing points per game and then throw passes to Chase Claypool, George Pickens, Deontay Johnson, and Pat Fryermuth, I mean, I know the offensive line is bad, but I feel pretty bullish about him. Uh, Then the best streamer this week, if you just need a one-week guy, is clearly Jameis Winston. Uh, Gets to go against the Seattle Seahawks. Should be back from his back injury. I think 5 to 10% should be able to get him. You know, he's got Alave. Michael Thomas should be back. Uh, Theoretically, I think Alvin Kamara with two weeks off should be good to go. You know, just waiting for one of his patented screens to go 60 yards for a touchdown. Jameis been really aggressive throwing down the field. Pretty much exactly what we look like, uh, what we want in a streamer. 
And, you know, we kind of had been streaming Marcus Mariota, Carson Wentz. Uh, one, Goff would be the best of those. Two, I would rather start Jameis. And then, honestly, I would I would even rather start Geno against the Saints. The Seahawks are averaging 66 plays per game. Geno's been adding a little bit of rushing, but definitely prefer Jameis. Uh, then we got Teddy this week starting for Tua. Would not spend more than 5% on him, but he seems fine. I mean, he's throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Not not really that different than like the Jared Goff thesis. So feel pretty good about adding Teddy. Uh, if you, you know, I mean, probably in the FFPC and another deeper formats, you can probably get him for $1. I, I would guess that $1 on Teddy would probably get it done. Then we have our stashes, Desmond Ritter and Malik Willis. Mariota threw an interception last week. The team ran 14 straight times. Mariota seems like he's trending towards seeing the bench. Uh, Ritter ran a 4.540 at the Combine. Don't know how much he'll run as quarterback of the Falcons, but does have Drake London and Kyle Pitts to throw to. And then uh, I continue to think that Malik Willis is just like the best quarterback stash of our of our generation, right? I mean, this guy is going to run so much if and when. I mean, honestly, very similar to Trey Lance. I think he will probably struggle a little bit as a passer. Well, actually probably struggle quite a bit as a passer, but I think he is going to be 40, 50, 60 rushing yards per game with good chances at touchdowns. The meat of this week, though, is going to be at the running back position. So beginning with the Denver Broncos, we have a season-ending knee injury to our guy, Javante Williams. Now, let me just start out by saying this. Uh, Ben Albright, our friend uh, who does radio in the Denver sports market, basically said even before the Javante injury, we weren't going to see very much of Melvin Gordon in that game on Sunday against the Raiders, but we were going to see a lot of Mike Boone. It was kind of a, a structural decision that the team did because they were playing again on Thursday night. So I'm not taking that much away from the fact that Boone played more than Gordon, especially after Gordon fumbled in that game. My, my expectation is that Melvin Gordon is going to be the starter against the Colts and that basically the team is going to work from there. So uh, if Boone out, if Boone plays better, Boone is going to get more work. Um, Boone is probably the hardest bid of the year. I, I'm expecting 50% or greater of fab budgets to be needed in order to secure his services. Now, Am I going to spend that much on any of my teams? You know, like, is Mike Boone that much better than Michael Carter, Antonio Gibson, guys like that, like Tony Pollard? I mean, he probably right about in the same range, um, but they also signed Latavius Murray off of the Saints practice squad. He's probably just a, a veteran depth addition, but he does seem worth, you know, five, 10 bucks in the FFPC, you know, one or two bucks in a league that has a $100 uh, waiver wire bid, just because you never know. I mean, he did just score a short yardage touchdown for the New Orleans Saints. Seems fine. But uh, yeah, my, my projection moving forward is honestly probably kind of similar to the Boone, or probably kind of similar to the Javante Melvin Gordon split, except Melvin Gordon goes to be the lead back the goal line back, the third down back, and then Boone gets a lot of those carries in between the 20s. We'll see if I'm right or not. I, I don't think I can recommend, you know, for me, this is not an, an Elijah Mitchell situation. This is not a Jeff Wilson Jr. situation where I think that this guy's immediately coming in and being the starting running back. I, I think 50%, I mean, I think you can defend, I think you can price enforce with like 33% of your budget or something like that. And in some leagues, that might be enough. I do think that probably... 
55 to 60 percent is probably what like that's what you would have to bid I think to make sure you got him and I just I'm not sure if he is quite worth that then we have the Colts uh, who actually are playing against the Broncos on Thursday night Jonathan Taylor suffered a high ankle sprain and the Colts play on Thursday now if he does actually have a high ankle I expect uh, Lindsay to be called up from the practice squad and Frank Reich uh, actually mentioned Philip Lindsay by name when discussing JT's injury so it's possible that Philip Lindsay is actually going to go ahead of Deion Jackson. We have only seen Deion Jackson in very limited samples in the NFL. He played at Duke, caught a bunch of passes, was never, uh, you know, was never like a like a, a super lead rusher for them. Uh, so the time before when we have seen Deion Jackson in the NFL, week eleven, a forty-one to fifteen win last year against Buffalo, six carries for twelve yards. And then uh, against Houston in a 31-0 win, Deion Jackson actually scored a uh, a six-yard touchdown in a game that uh, didn't matter. And he has been active um, this entire season on offense. He's been playing special teams. He got two carries in the uh, zero-point effort against Jacksonville in Week Two. I, I would I I would probably rather secure Deion Jackson services for. 11% of my budget than Mike Boone for 65% of my budget. And then I also like uh, one, two, three, four, five dollar bids on uh, on Philip Lindsay as well. If you happen to play in a super shallow league where Naeem Hines is out there, I mean, I could see those leagues existing. I, I am not bidding a ton on, on Naeem Hines. I, I just, I think Hines is going to stay in his role. You know, it pretty much is what it is. Next, we have to deal with the Falcons' backfield situation. They have Corderell Patterson, who is on the IR for at least four weeks with a knee injury. We saw him not play very much in the uh, in the second half. So this was how the uh, the touches broke down um, in that game. You know, I think I thought uh, I thought it was pretty interesting to see what happened with Patterson um, being rested. Tyler Algier got 10 carries for 84 yards. Caleb Huntley got 10 for 56. Then Avery Williams got one rush for 21 yards. Williams has, has popped up. He popped up in week one because he's active for special team stuff. Um, so we saw 44% of the snaps for Algier, 29% of the snaps for Patterson before he got injured, seven snaps for Avery Williams, 12 snaps and 10 rushes for Caleb Huntley. Algier is going to go for a lot. Algier, honestly, if he's out there in your league, and he's not going to be out there in the main event, you know, he would have been, if not drafted, uh, if he was drafted and dropped, he already would have been picked up after the Damian Williams injury. So even just thinking about, you know, 12 team home leagues or whatever, I do think you're going to need probably 30% to get Algier. Huntley is a pretty intriguing pickup. I mean, not not a very good, not a very good prospect. He played at Ball State. Only caught 16 passes uh, in in total. His four seasons there uh, did did run for a thousand yards as a true freshman. Ran for 1,200 yards in 2019. Has kind of just hung around um, the NFL for a while. I believe he was on the practice squad for the uh, the Falcons last year, and then and never even ended up getting elevated. I I, I would say um, in terms of what I expect to get these guys for, this is how I would rank running backs this week. I would go Deion Jackson, number one. I would go Mike Boone, number two. I'd go Philip Lindsay, number three. Latavius Murray, number four. Tyler Allegier, number five. Avery Williams, number six. Tristan Ebner, uh, who we're about to talk about, number seven. And then, like, you know, your, your Gus Edwards and stuff. So Ebner, uh, he 
played a handful of snaps, handled 24% of the Bears' carries while David Montgomery was out. Probably got picked up in a lot of your main events and, and football guys, players' championships and stuff like that last week. But if not, I do. I mean, he's going to be totally forgotten about this week if he didn't get picked up last week. And then uh, Gus Edwards has returned to practice for the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens' ground game has been pretty hit or miss. Dobbins did score two touchdowns last week, but Justice Hill also got banged up last week. So I wonder if they are really wanting Gus Edwards to get back pretty soon. Next, we have the wide receivers. Um, obviously, Romeo Dobbs, if he is out there in your league, need to add him. Uh, Zay Jones, if he got dropped in your league last week, pretty solid pickup. I am not going to be picking up Jamal Agnew. Two touchdowns on 18 snaps, was even playing behind this guy. Like I think his name was Zedrick Jones or something like that. I mean, not even, not even a full-time player with Zay Jones out. But uh, our next guy... He, this is the best pickup of the week. The Khalil Shakir is a better pickup than any of these running backs. I think he has a greater ability to. Um, I think he has a greater ability to be a league winner than any of those guys. Uh, his final season at Boise State: seventy-seven receptions, twelve hundred yards, seven touchdowns, twenty-one rushes for one hundred and thirty yards. He is six foot tall, one ninety. I don't really see any reason that Shakir can't play you know, basically full-time slot wide receiver for the Bills. I think he can do the same thing, the same things that Crowder does. And I think he can do the same things that Isaiah McKenzie does. I I'm pretty excited about him. Ran a 4.440 at the combine, really good speed score. Um, you know, I mean, and, and despite being a four-year player, he's still only 22 ran nine routes on 15 snaps last week. Isaiah McKenzie suffered a concussion. Jamison Crowder left the game on crutches and Jake Kumaro has a high ankle sprain. I think, I mean, honestly projecting forward, I, I would expect him to be a 70 to 80% route participation guy for the bills this upcoming week. I mean, he is a really, really good pickup. Um, I, I think you can bid up to 10% for him. For example, I think he's a much better ad than Matt Collins was. Matt Collins went for a lot and honestly would not surprise me to see him be as impactful as an ad as Curtis Samuel. I mean, maybe maybe not quite as big as Curtis Samuel because he has been so good and so targeted. Yeah, I mean, how many guys in the FFPC do you pick up who lead their team in targets? But but Shakir, I mean, you know, not only do we have these other three wide receiver injuries, but we also have Gabe Davis dealing with this ankle injury. Like Shakir is a smash. I mean, do what you need to do to get him on your fantasy teams this week. We have DeAndre Carter. Josh Palmer suffered an injury, and Keenan Allen had another setback with his hamstring. Carter was, you know, playing in two wide receiver sets, uh, sometimes over Palmer, anyways, before he got hurt. Projects to have that role going forward. Allen can't get healthy. Like a five percent bid seems fine. If Sky Moore got jo- uh, got dropped in your league, he has jumped up to twenty five percent of the routes for Kansas City. I, I firmly think his time is coming. Any league where he's been dropped. 10 teamers, 12 teamers, whatever. Uh, maybe not 10. I don't know. Maybe even 10 teamers because just the ability to be an 80% route participation guy in this Chiefs offense is so massive. Deami Brown is going to replace Jahan Dotson for the uh, the Washington Commies as long as it takes Jahan Dotson to recover from this hamstring injury. He's going to be out a couple weeks. Dotson, um, so Dotson got injured and then Deami just subbed in for him the final 10 minutes of that game for the Washington football team. I don't really think Deami Brown is any good. Uh, won't really earn that many targets, but if the Washington Commanders are throwing like 45 times a game, then a 12% target share or whatever can be a little bit more useful. Then finally, the Ravens wide receivers, Talon Wallace, Devin Duvernay, Demarcus Robinson, 
Wallace actually, so Tylen Wallace actually filled in for Rashad Bateman, who got injured Sunday against the Bills. And I've kind of been waiting for Wallace to get a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, of run here for the Ravens for a while. I, I really liked him coming out of Oklahoma State. He suffered a a torn ACL his final season at Oklahoma State. He's still only twenty three. Um, you know, ran a four five coming off of the torn ACL. 5'11", 195, kind of kind of prototypical, uh, you know, NFL size now for what we want for our outside wide receivers. Hardly played last season, uh, you know, only got six targets all year or whatever. But I don't know, man. Lamar has just been so good this year. I, I do think if Bateman were to miss a little bit of time, I believe he I believe he suffered a concussion. If if Bateman uh, is not back, I mean, all these guys are good pickups. Duvernay, I mean, D-Rob is like totally whatever. Either he's going to score a long touchdown or he won't. But uh, Talon Wallace, I think a good like 3% bid or whatever. Then finally, tight ends. Um, Mo Cox, whatever. Adam, he's not going to score two touchdowns again. Just as likely to get pipped in routes by Kylan Granson. Of course, Jelani Wood scores the two touchdowns last week. Like, Total, what's the point? You know, what is the point of spending fab dollars on Moale Cox? Someone else is just going to drop him. On the same note with the Ravens wide receivers, if Isaiah likely got dropped in any of your tight end premium leagues, I think he's a, a pretty natural fill in for Bateman. They're just going to play a lot of 12 personnel. Then OJ Howard, uh, Farrell Brown, I, I believe, just got released by the Texans, um, which is uh, pretty crazy considering I, I believe that he just led them in routes run at the tight end position. Yeah, he he has been cut. Uh, I, he leads the team's tight end and catches in yards. I, I wonder what's going on here. Um, so we have had uh, Brevin Jordan be injured. Uh, Jordan Aikens got called back off the practice squad, but the, uh, the the headline here is that O.J. Howard led the team in routes run at the tight end position this last week, which is uh, unexpected for sure. And obviously he scored the two touchdowns in week one, but he was up to 75% of the snaps, five targets, only two receptions for 27 yards. I unironically do think O.J. Howard is a pretty good ad, but our number one ad of the week. And I would say this guy is probably the most important guy if you are playing in tight end premium, FFPC main event, Scott Fishbowl, whatever. Greg Dulcich is the number one ad. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett said on Saturday, so before Alberto played zero snaps, um, we saw that uh, there's a, uh, Hackett said, there's a very high chance that Dulcich will return in the Colts game. And buddy, they need him. They are getting nothing from their tight ends right now. So as I mentioned, one lone snap for Alberto. KJ Hamler played four snaps. Now he did turn he did turn that into um, what do you have? Uh, it was like a fifty five yard gain or whatever. Uh, but these are are their secondary contributors on offense outside of Sutton, Javante, Judy, and Melvin Gordon. Alberto has ten targets. Eric Sobert has six. Mike Boone has five. Kendall Hinton has four receptions for 86 yards. Andrew Beck has two for 52. Tyree Cleveland, two for 28. Montreal Washington, one for four. KJ Hamler, one for 55. That's through four games, guys. So through four games, outside of their running backs and their top two wide receivers, no player has more than six receptions. That's Albert, who is stone-benched. I mean, this team needs Greg Dulcich and they they're going to use him they're going to use him right away I I would suggest honest honest to God 
I I think a hundred bucks, hundred fifteen bucks or whatever in the main event is is totally fine because tight end has just been so brutal this season. I I don't think there's going to be a guy who offers the range of outcomes that Dulcich does come on board at the tight end position for the rest of the year. So you got to add him this week. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for us here. Hope that was useful. Hope that was helpful. We'll uh, we'll be back a little bit later in the week. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 